Hey guys, this is Jennifer from the Shooter's Mindset. We are live with episode 352. Gosh, that's a lot when I think about it. When I say it out loud, I'm like, that's a lot. <clears throat> but anyway, we are here. I've got my co-host Greg Cannon here tonight. How's it going? Good. Hey, everyone. And we have our guest of the hour is Andy Slade. How's it going, Andy? Hey, everybody. Everything's going just fine. All right. So... For those that maybe are not familiar with you, some of our audience is not um, precision rifle shooters. So I think a lot of people in PRS know you, but for anybody that doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about you and just yourself and how you got into competitive shooting? Absolutely. So I grew up in a small town here in Virginia. Uh, the name of the place is called Climax, believe it or not. So you can get your laughs on that now. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I spent a lot, large part of my life carrying a rifle in the woods to have fun because there wasn't a lot going on, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And then, so joined the Marine Corps when I was 23, um, was, did that for about 12 years, got to do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, mainly, I was a combat engineer for most of the time, and then I got to shoot with the shooting teams, and, you know, that was a, a real good experience. Um, I was trying to bring the PRS side of things to the shooting teams because the Marine Corps had ideas of going away from paper sports, which I think is going to be the future. And so that was cool. So I started shooting PRS. Uh, oddly enough, there was a match called Bang Steel. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but here in Virginia, there's this local match called Bang Steel and it's not affiliated with the PRS, but it was a belly match. And we thought we were going to be going to a belly match and we showed up and they were having their first like PRS style match. So, you know, we had 308 savages and no bags and we're trying to shoot off of a gate and everything's wobbling, you know, and man, I fell in love with it. And so we went from that and came back home and started practicing. And this was pre game changers. So there were no game changers at the time. And, um, guys were using Sandfield socks and, you know, different bags, but there were no game changers yet. Clifton hadn't made that uh, thing. And then, so anyway, we shot that and then started going to Woody's for some of the DMR stuff. And that was a good time. And then the first PRS match today that I shot was in 2017. And that was at Peacemaker. And I finished eighth place there. And that was enough to really set the hook for that. So ever since then, we've been dead after it. And then Brian Lewis and I started VPRC soon after that. I can't remember the exact date, but it was June because I remember my son was just born, like literally the day before when we had our first match. So my wife was real happy with, that we were having a rifle competition that day. And uh, so, yeah. Well. But it's it's been really good. Brian and I have been able to, bring a lot of people into the sport and we've been able to enjoy a lot of good company from a lot of good people. And I was able to take a lot of the information that I learned from the shooting world and take it back to the Marine Corps and hopefully make people better, um, you know, engaging the enemy more accurately. And that's, you know, what I actually care the most about is uh, people and making sure that if, if we're going to put that knowledge out there, that it's accurate and that it makes people an asset versus a liability to their teams. That's awesome. I know you and Brian both have always been very, very friendly 
it's like you don't meet a stranger. Um, uh, I, I can't remember. I was trying to think of what is the first match that I ever met y'all and I can't remember which one it was, but uh, I don't know. It just seems like y'all have kind of always been on the scene. You know, when I have gone to matches, y'all have always been around in the Southeast. So always been smiling and very, very helpful to everybody. Um, I remember with your Precision 101 shirts that y'all had and all that, which I would buy another one if y'all did those again. Um, yeah. So the PR 101 thing was a joint thing that Brian, uh, Dave Decker, and JB and I kind of went together on. And we were, it was a lot of fun. And we were trying to get information out to a lot of people. But the problem is just getting people together that live in different states to make videos and do things like that. It's just so hard. So that's, um, it's still a thing. The Facebook page is still, still out there. You know, we invite people to join it. We try to put stuff up from time to time on there, but it's just tough trying to get, you know, all the people together to um, do things like that. And then sometimes when we do get together, it's like, hey, guys, let's maybe go shooting and have fun versus, you know, doing something, actually having to go through the trouble of making and editing a video since time is so short. But we really did enjoy doing that. And I think we brought a lot of information out to the public by doing that. Um but you know, it was, it was a good time and I'm glad we did it. So now you've started something new. Um, I think it's very new. I believe the precision rifle training company that you're starting called the rifleman's path. So like what led you to start this? How did it come about? Tell us a little about it. Right. So without getting too much into my political views, I can just say that I'm, um, I have serious convictions that, won't allow me to comply with recent mandates and the company that I worked for, which I don't need to put them out there on blast, but let's just say that it's a large corporation that has brown trucks and moves boxes. Um, they had decided to take a stance that was going to violate what I felt violate my civil liberties. And so in order to keep them from being able to do that, and stand up for what I believed in. And I still believe that it was the right call. Um, I refused that. And so, you know, I know how to do a few things really well. And I'm very thankful that, you know, some close friends in the Marine Corps have taught me to be able to be an instructor. And, you know, I, I was able to go to the instructor's courses through the Marine Corps. And so I've got that background. And then I've been teaching people about precision rifle for, you know, about five years now. And, you know, it's been kind of a hobby thing and it's turning into more of, you know, a way to provide for my family. And I think people understand that, you know, it's, it's a leap of faith that I'm taking to go out and, you know, say, Hey, I'm, I'm going away from what I know and what's secure to what I maybe not. I don't know for sure if I'm going to have a reliable income, but at least I believe I'm doing what I believe in. And, you know, I've, I've got other skills too, you know, I know how to work on trucks. So I'm, I'm taking some side mechanic work in that, but my main focus is absolutely going to be training people how to shoot. And we will do as much of that as I can, because that's where my true passion is. That's awesome. I'm going to pause and let Greg do some lives because he says we have something live. Yeah. So we got some lives. So Keith Baker said that this is his favorite guest. Apparently he likes you even more than himself because he's been on here before. <laughs> and my boy. Um, Love you, Keith. 
Steve Baker said, this guy is one of the great people that make this sport better. And then uh, Kyle said, that's a sick chassis in the background. Hey, oh, hot 26. That's awesome. I'm really jealous of that. We'll probably get into that a little bit later. I'll pull it off the tripod and we can talk about it some because there's a lot of new stuff on there that people may not have seen yet. Yeah, we'll, I'm interested. We'll definitely get into that in a little bit. Um, so back to Rifleman's Path. So tell me kind of, well, and for all the people that are listening, like, what all services or classes are you going to offer? Is it going to be beginners or advanced? Is it one-on-one -on -one or sure. big classes? Kind of tell us all about y'all's classes. Sure. So my favorite thing to do, and I think it's real important that you try to find the client that you want to have a relationship with. So my favorite thing to do is to do one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I really enjoy coaching and taking a person from where they're at to try to accomplish their goals. And if I can fill my schedule with that, I will. I love doing, you know, classes of any size, but I just love being able to take a person on an intimate level, you know, as far as knowing how they operate, teaching them from the ground up, the fundamentals of marksmanship, how they apply, teaching that process that's going to allow them to understand what they can look for in their self and understand where they may be uh, losing their self in the process and then get back onto the process so that they can accomplish their goals. Um, but we will absolutely do group classes, but I will not have more than 10 people in one of my classes if I'm the only instructor. So if you come to one of my classes at Rifleman's Path, unless I have another instructor and you will know that before you sign up, there will not be more than 10 people in that class as Andy teaching the course. So we will have uh, precision rifle one, two, and three at this time. And what that's going to entail is with precision rifle one will be all the, the basic stuff, learning your fundamentals, learning how to use a checklist, learning how to use a, a journal when you go to any, whether it's practice or competition. Um, you will learn how to, you know, use an optic, you know, what are the dials do on the optic, how to use a ballistic solver, which one should you use, um, what input should you put into it to keep from getting the wrong information out of it. All that type of stuff is what you're going to get in, in the first uh, class there, and we, we consider that the foundation of your of your learning. Then we're going to go to precision rifle two, and that's where we're going to get into a lot of the positional stuff. And you'll get uh, how to apply your natural point of aim into different positions. So traditionally, when you're, when you learn natural point of aim, you learn how to build your position to have the weapon in your natural point of aim. The problem with PRS is it, the position is dictated. So we have to kind of reverse it and figure out how to build our natural point of aim to the rifle. And um, so that's really important. And I think people getting a really firm understanding of that is going to transform their shooting ability and being able to spot their impact, spot their trace, see their misses, see their trace. If the say there's a target on a lollipop and the trace goes right by it, if you're able to see that, it's going to put you way ahead of all the other shooters. So uh, being able to get in a fundamentally sound position knowing what that looks like so that you can take pictures and video of yourself so that you can self-coach. And that's something that we're going to go over. 
Um, in Precision Rifle 3, we're going to get more into the really big stuff like how to shoot movers, how to um, actually like we're going to get into seeing your trace. And if you can't see it, we're going to make the adjustments so you can. Am I saying you're going to see it all the time? 100% of the time, absolutely not. But there are positions you should be able to see it. And if you're not seeing it in those specific positions, then, you know, we can fix that. You should be seeing all of your impacts um, as far as like on the plate. You should be able to determine where it hits on the plate and building your position to where that is easier is going to be a thing. And then like strategy as far as how do we determine like advanced wind strategy as far as how many columns do we put on our wind card and, you know, what do we put on our wind card and how, what does that look like as far as strategy at a square range where all the targets are in one direction versus multiple directions of fire. Um, you know, so we'll get into all that type of strategy. It's going to be in precision rifle three is more of an advanced level. And I want everybody to understand that if you really want to shoot well, the precision rifle three is not where it's at. It's precision rifle one. You know, that that is if you want to learn how to shoot, you want to be the best out there, learn your fundamentals. That's that is absolutely where it's at. So um, and then we'll do uh, dedicated mover classes. So that's something that's coming up on the 23rd at Pig River, 23rd of October. I've got a few spots left for that, um, but we're going to do mover for half the day and it's going to continue running. So if anybody wants to go back to the mover and practice it, they can. And then the second half of the day, we're going to work on props and, you know, using some of the more advanced techniques for some of the guys that are already involved. So that's what we've got going on right now. Does that answer your question? That's awesome. Are all of the classes at Pig River or are you willing to travel to different people if they're in different areas and maybe they have eight friends that want a class? No, absolutely. We, I'm 100% willing to come to anybody, whether it's in Virginia to California, like I'll, I'll pretty much travel anywhere. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to have to put travel into the account or we're going to have to have multiple classes. So, um, you know, I've got some guys in PA and some guys down in North Carolina that are looking for different classes and stuff like that. And, um, you know, a bunch of different states, people have contacted me about coming to train. I will absolutely do that. And I think it's just good to go ahead and get it on the schedule so that when you're wanting to get that done, you know, we can do it. Pig River has been absolutely awesome to allow me to come there and, and do this to facilitate that for us. Um, and I'm going to use them as much as I can to, you know, help them, you know, kind of pay that back to them. But if there's a group of people that need rifle training or that want to say you live in a place that there are no moving target systems and you want me to come set the moving target up so you guys can get some practice and good training on it, I will absolutely do that for you. That's awesome. Portable mover. Yep. Um, do you have, I know a lot of people that want to get into precision rifle. Um, well, like, so when I shot three gun, if I had a friend that I was like, man, you would love this. You should try it. I could be like, come to the match and you can just shoot my stuff or, hey, we'll go out to the range and you can shoot my stuff because a two, two, three barrel, you can shoot all day, every day. And, you know, you don't have the same issues that we have with burning barrels out and things like that. The ammo is not so specific. You know, you can just go buy a box and you can shoot two, two, three. So it's not like precision where, you know, it's difficult to loan 
you know, just to, to give gear, but it's also very difficult. It's a chunk of change. It's kind of a commitment. It's not like, you know, here, let me buy this $500 gun and see if I like it. It's a lot more than that. So if you have beginners that are wanting to learn, do y'all have um, capability to loan gear or um, maybe even not the rifle, but like if you had a beginner come, could you say like, just come with the gun and, and we'll help you with the other stuff? Like, I don't know. It's just something I've always thought about because it's so hard to get beginners into it. No, it's a great question. And it's something that we want to work towards. So I've had uh, some gear donated especially very recently since people knew I was going to be doing this more of a full-time thing. Um, and it's something that I want to actually get more uh, built up so that when that new shooter comes, you know, we have that equipment for them. Uh, right now I would just hand them my match rifle, you know, so I don't have <laughs> a thousand different match rifles to hand out. So I hope I don't get too many inbox messages over that, but um yeah. So if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I want to shoot a match. I hand them my 223 and you know, that rifle, believe it or not, it's super competitive. It, it has the same wind and elevation as a six, five and it's less recoil and it's cheaper to shoot. So, you know, that's what I hand them. And it's, it's something that's really uh, efficient as far as, you know, it, it low recoil and it not real expensive to shoot. That's a great idea. I love, I borrowed Sean Murphy's 223 and that was like the most fun bolt gun ever. I had so much fun with that gun and I didn't feel guilty going and shooting it. Cause I was like, you know, you go shoot it. The ammo is cheaper. The barrel life is better. Like it was great. I want one now. Now I really want a 223 barrel and conversion kit, but. They're so much fun. They're awesome. And you really can be pretty accurate. I mean, I was hitting as long as the barrel was screwed on, but that's another story. But I was hitting really well at, you know, I want to say I haven't hit a thousand yards with that thing before I let the barrel get unscrewed. But um, it was very, very accurate is the only thing. Um, so what I, you don't have to get into specifics, but um, if somebody's interested, like what is your price range looking like for the class? Is it dependent on the number of students? Yes, absolutely. So right now what we're doing is it's going to be dependent on where, where the course is going to take place, how much the range fees are going to be, obviously, and then how many people are involved in the class. Um, generally, uh, if somebody's local for private stuff, it's going to be uh, for the day, $350 plus range fees. And then once I've kind of worked with you some and we can do a shorter session, it's going to be, you know, just depending on how many hours we're training for the day. So um, it's obviously going to be cheaper uh, for more people, but people have to realize that if I'm giving you my whole day, like, you know, that's, that's where my family is going to be getting their, their sustainment from. So it, it does cost a little bit, but so do two-day matches, and so does ammo, and so does a hotel, and so does travel. So if you can save one match a year and get some legit training to where all your other matches are way better placement and way better uh, results, and you feel better about yourself, and you, you, know, you can feel more accomplished, I, I genuinely believe that that's a skill that's going to follow you for the rest of your life versus years of doing it wrong. You know, one of our, uh, I had this gunny one time that he looked at me and said, well, this is the way we've always done it. And I was kind of cocky at the time. And I looked at him and said, well, maybe you've always done it wrong. 
you know, and that's always a possibility. So, um, you know, uh, that's something to think about. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to, anybody that's interested, please feel free to hit me up. We can talk about, you know, how many people you've got. And if you want to do private stuff, we can absolutely get into that. Um, I make more money off of groups, but I'm telling you right now, I enjoy the privates um, just because I, you know, build a relationship with a shooter. I understand them. I, I know what they're doing. I, I can give them a more thorough understanding and then we can, I can look at their individual strengths and weaknesses and build their strengths. That's awesome. Have you ever thought about doing any, um, like even virtual coaching? Yeah. So I've looked into it a little bit and there are some ways to do that type of thing. I am seriously entertaining it. Um, keep in mind, this is, and for anybody that goes to look at the website, please also understand that this is like a week old, <laughs> you know, so um, everything is constantly updating and it's going to be getting better and better. And the training uh, schedules are going to be getting filled up. And uh, there's just a lot of things that are happening really quickly. So uh, a lot of the stuff that, to your point, is very interesting to me. Uh, we just don't have the ability to, you know, say, yes, we're doing that right now because it's so new. But I do think it's a very worthwhile thing to look into. I think it'd be cool. I mean, like there are times which I'm not shooting as much right now just because of life issues. But um, there are times that like I wish I had like a coach that like after each match would be like, all right, this stage, what happened? You know, and, and like help you break it down and then give you pointers off of, okay, you, you struggled with this. So now let's work on that. And like, you know, I want you to do these drills, send me video of you doing them. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell you where, where you need to change or what you need to do. It's not nearly as good as in person, but just, I know we're so spread out and, um, you know, a lot of times it would be nice to have some consistency critiquing you. You know what I mean? It's like we were talking before the show about, I don't take advice from everyone because you will get an array of advice. And one person will say, you need to do it this way. And another person, you need to do it that way. I mean, when I started in precision rifle, it was, well, you need a free recoil. And then it was, you don't need a free recoil. Free recoil is awful. Don't ever free recoil. And then it was like, well, maybe you need to do a hybrid where you sort of free recoil. Like everybody had an opinion. And I had to come up with my own way that I do things and my own reasoning as to why, but it was very difficult to discern all of that stuff. So to have a consistent, um, you know, someone kind of to touch base with and go through, it would be really cool. So I always wondered about people doing that a virtual kind of thing, but um, yeah, I'd be very interested in it. I, I, for the people that I'm coaching currently, I, I do very similar things. I will go to practice score competitor and I'll go down through their most recent match. If I wasn't able to attend, attend it with them and I'll look at their scores and I'll look at what they, uh, so I have this list of rifle skills and I have students continuously update their confidence on these different skills in this list. And then I will look at their performance based on their confidence and compare the two. So if you say you're really confident in shooting long range, it's like prone long range, like past 750 type of thing, but your scores don't reflect that, that's a conversation we need to have. 
or if you say that you're not confident at all on long range, but you clean it every, every match, like we need to talk about whether your mental game is not where it needs to be. So um, I'm a big fan of, you know, the conscious mind and, and the subconscious mind and self-image kind of like Lanny Basham te teaches. And I think that we have to make sure that those circles are being well fed so that one's not growing too big or it's not big enough. So I think it's really important that when we're coaching people, we understand what it takes to make somebody better. And what that is, is actually breaking each thing down into individual skill sets. And you have to train that individual skill set until it becomes a subconscious action. And if that subconscious action isn't provable over and over, then it's not a subconscious skill yet. So we can go back and train it until it is. Um, and then once it actually becomes a tool in your toolbox, you can use it over and over and over without having to think about it. So, you know, it's just one of those things. If, if you're having to consciously think about it, you're not able to think about anything but the one thing. If I say, Jennifer, don't think of a pink elephant. What do you think about? <laughs> pink elephant. <laughs> right. Greg, what you got? So. How important do you think it is to have a process-based approach to shooting? Um, and what exactly is a process-based approach? So it goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago. Um, if you are going to have a skill set and that skill set has to have, you, you have to have a goal, right? So for me, I have an end state and I say, what is your end state? And you say, I want to be, a top five shooter at most matches that I go to. It's like, okay, well, you can't just wish for that to happen and then go to your next match and think you're going to end up in the top five. It just doesn't happen. Right. So what we have to do is in order to meet that end state, you have to have a, a goal. And in order to meet that goal, there has to have, there has to be a process. If we have the discipline to work the process that will reach the goal, which then reaches the end state. All right. So, a process-based approach looks like you, you evaluate your skills that you currently have, and then we highlight the skills that you need to reach your goal. And then we determine a process based on training and practice that will make that process, you know, realize your goals. So it looks like you have to use practice, training, your practice journal, and then your mental game, like all that goes into it. And then your pre-shot checklist, like there's just, I'm a, I'm a very checklist oriented person. Like if you've ever flown in a private airplane, you know that um, every pilot, no matter how many hours they have on that airplane, they go to that checklist and they go from the top to the bottom every time. And no matter how many matches I shoot, I'm always shooting my best if I'm going to that checklist and I look at the first line and I read it and I go do it. And then I look at the second line and I read it and I go do it. Even though I can tell you what that checklist says pretty much by heart, it's, you know, just something repetitive that I can do. And I actually make myself do it versus, well, man, I forgot that I had 10 mils dialed on my scope. So I went to 11.4 instead of 1.4 and I zeroed that stage. It doesn't happen if you're using a process. It doesn't happen if you're using a checklist. So a process-based approach is a way to, to reach your goal instead of hoping to reach your goal, if that makes sense. 
I like checklists. Me, me too. How important do you think mindset is for being successful? Very. Like I, we talked about it a little bit already, but you know, it's um, it's one of those things. If you if you are not mentally engaged, you are not going to win. Like it's just not going to happen. Like you have to uh, mentally be kind of like we were talking about a minute ago. You have your self image where. How many times as a younger shooter did you did you hit nine points on a stage and say, man, if I can just hit this last one, I'll clean my first stage. And, and then, then that <laughs> story, story, story time. My 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 good old busty Rusty, but buddy Rusty at my at my 22 matches for like three matches in a row. I'm in the middle of shooting a stage and, you know, it's stage that I should be able to clean you know, no problem. And behind me, I'll hear all smart ass. I mean, uh, Rusty, man, you don't uh, better not drop that last shot or, you know, I'm going to be tied with you. Oh man. If you don't miss that last one, you're going to clean the stage. Oh man. You know, you clean the last one. And just like, I didn't do anything like nothing physically changed. I didn't start to shake. I didn't laugh. I thought I did everything the same, but something changed somewhere, like subconsciously got into my mind and somehow that transferred into the bullet that just kind of curved instead of went to the steel. Yeah. So to your point, it's, it's hugely important. And some people say 80%. I don't know how you actually come up with that metric, but um, it, I think it's hugely important. The matches that I do the best in are the ones that I'm like, I don't even care. I just, I'm going to go, I mean, case in point. So a year ago, the finale that I barely squeaked into, I still don't know how mathematically, but um, I, I got to go. I didn't have a working gun at the time. I had a lot of life changes I was in the middle of. Things were all in upheaval. I didn't think I was going to go. Friends pulled it together and like helped me get there, loaned me a rifle. So it wasn't even my own gun. I was like, you know what? I just want to have fun. I just want to like let all the other stress go and just have fun. I'm not, I don't even care. I just don't want to be dead last, but I, like, I don't even care. I don't even care if I'm dead last. It's the best shooters in the country, right? I, I would just... And I actually shot pretty well, especially the second day when it was freezing cold. And I was like, like, I'm going to do terrible, but I don't even care. I'm just going to just chill and have fun. And I shot better than I had shot all year. And I think it's just because mentally I just was back to just, all right, just do my thing. Just, and it was no pressure on myself. Um, so I think that mental is a huge, huge part of any, any sport, but especially in this. Same here. My, my best match ever was gap grind last year is where I placed highest percentage wise. And I, uh, you know, literally on train up day with everything that was going on and lots of people in the squad were having issues, you know, and I just said, screw it. I'm here to make sure these ands have a good time and help them out however I can and didn't stress on anything. And then at the end of the match, I was like, I shot what percent? <laughs> yeah. So, Jennifer, you brought up a couple things that were like key there. So you said um, something about yourself and then you said something about 
you just didn't even think about it. You just did it. So uh, again, like we go back to the subconscious skills and then you go back to your self-image. So if you are not thinking about a certain score and you're not thinking about your ability, then your self-image isn't getting in your way. If you're thinking about, oh man, I have to reach this score, then you have to have the conversation with yourself. Have I, do I have the ability? Is it like me to be able to reach that score? And if you haven't trained that, then it's going to be very hard to overcome that versus if you just go out, like you said, and you're not really concerned about it. The reason a lot of times that we shoot better when we do that is because our self-image isn't at odds with our subconscious and our conscious mind. So uh, I think it's very important that we train skills consciously in practice until they become sub subconscious skill. And then I think we have to train our mind to believe that we have the skills that we have. And the way you do that is that you record how you perform and then you try to train harder in practice than you train in the matches. So your targets at home should be smaller than they're going to be in the matches. Your targets at home should be, you know, shot in the highest wind that you can get. So like if there's a storm coming, like I go out, I try to get outside as quick as I can while the winds are 20, 30 mile an hour. Because when it happens in a match, it's like, I do this all the time. I know how to do this. So that's that's my take on the mental game is uh, read with winning in mind and try to understand how it applies to our sport because I think it's really important. I think you're right. Like in Alabama, what, a month ago, whenever I was there, like day two, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? You know, I hadn't shot since April. haven't really picked my gun up since <laughs> April. Second day, I cleaned the first three stages. Okay, that's not like me. <laughs> I'm not horrible at shooting, but I'm not one that goes and cleans a bajillion stages. Cleaned three stages in a row, and I was like, dude, I've never cleaned this many in a row. Well, then I started, like, thinking, maybe I, maybe I can do it a fourth time. Maybe I could, like, only drop five all day like some of these other people. And, of course, then I got in my head, and it derailed <laughs> completely, so... Yep, got to have a plan. Mental game. Well, speaking of plan, Matt Sprouse asked, what's your stage checklist look like? He said he's always trying to determine how detailed to be with his. Yep. Or is that top secret? No, absolutely no. So it's something I share with everybody and I hand it out at matches all the time. So if you see me at a match, if I've got any, I'll, I'll hand it to you. But what it looks like is pretty much everything that goes into the match as far as to make sure your uh, physical gear is in order, that your rifle's in order, um, and that, you know, you're, you're doing everything and you're accounting for everything that you need to look at. So, you know, is the right gun in your Kestrel? And it basically, the whole thing is a list of mistakes that I've made. So if you want to know the mistakes Andy's made, you look at the list that I hand out and you can see how many mistakes I've made. So, <laughs> so anyway it's um board if i do one of these so it's a laminated card and it's you know about uh a normal book length and the front side is your pre-shot checklist and then your back side is your post-shot checklist and that includes like reloading your magazines and um dialing your scope back to zero and checking your wind turret to make sure you didn't dial that on anyway so um you know it's it's something that we use all the time. I'll be happy to email that to you. If it's something you'd like, uh, you can email me from the website and we'll be happy to get that to you. Awesome.
Greg, are there more lives? Yep. Um, so on the prep card, uh, Sniper Bill Jordan said, tell Andy I forgot to get my prep card. <laughs> yeah. So I told him to take a picture of it. Uh, so Sniper Bill was uh, Mike Burns' partner at Gap Grind. And so we were squatted together and he saw McKenzie and I using the pre-shot checklist. And he's like, Hey man, what is that? You know? And so he's over there looking at it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I need to go do that. So anyway, it's, it's something that if you use often, it's, it, it just, if you go through it, you're not going to forget the little things and the little things are what's going to separate you from being, you know, 25th or 15th or fifth, you know, it's just how well can you accomplish your your process and you know your process will lead to your goals yeah i'm gonna need to send you an email to get a copy of that because i like i have a mentalist and there's so many stages where i go up there and i'm like i dropped the points because item number seven on my list that's in my head and i'm really bad at keeping lists in my head <laughs> so i'm gonna have to write myself one that's a excellent idea so how do you enjoy the gap grind it was a good time. Yeah, it's um, I've got some history with it that some people know about. And it's um, I love the idea and I love the, you know, the possibilities that are involved with the gap grind. Uh, my experiences aren't what a lot of people have had. So, you know, uh, anyway, without getting into it, without any negativity, like, um, it's, it's a great time for a lot of people to get into the sport. And I love that about it. So if you've never shot it and you're just getting into precision rifle, absolutely go to the gap ground. It's a great time. If you're a pro that's been doing this for a long time, go shoot with somebody new and take them to the grind. Um, and that's, that's what I've traditionally done when I've shot it. So I, I really do enjoy working with new shooters and, and, and helping people out like that. And in our squads, man, we just push, you know, everybody's helping everybody. So it's not like, you know, one pro is with his AM and that's all that's happening. Um, and I learn as much about myself and teaching and how to use better strategy and, you know, learning different people's mentalities and how to, you know, teach around some, maybe some egos and things like that. So, it, it's a great time for everybody. And I, I, I learn a lot every time I do it. I am going to say I, you know, my first match was the gap grind and it was like the most awesome experience ever. Therefore I'm still doing this years later. Um, I missed registration this year. It was like the ridiculous week at work. And like, I put up Facebook one day and it's like gap grind sold out. I'm like, oh, shit. so, you know, I've, I will never miss a gap grind as long as I possibly can. And so this year I've, email julian said hi i missed registration i always wanted to ro um i'll be there thanks nice so that was really cool to you know be there to help out all the amateurs hell i, I think the one of the most fun parts of the weekend was when sniper bill dropped his mag in my shoot house and i like kind of jumped forward and slid on my knees on our wet floor that was the only wet part of this awesome building with four walls and a roof that I was in all weekend and like grabbed it and just like slid it right back in. <laughs> nice. But it, it was a really awesome weekend. I spent a lot of time this weekend, like hanging out with a bunch of people that like watch our show and the amount of you guys out there that, that watch and came up to me and, you know, chatted and hung out. That was really cool to hear y'all's, 
you know, feedback on the show and to know that you guys do appreciate what you do. And we appreciate you guys all watching. It was really cool to be able to hang out with all you guys this weekend. Made a lot of new friends, met a lot of viewers. Thank you for being there. That's awesome. When I saw you in the shoot house, I was like, hey, what's up, buddy? You know, dude, I was I was blessed this weekend. So I was talking about it before the show and like it. So, you know, normally every every match, like as soon as I can, I'm sitting there I'm like, all right, let's see. What did Greg Moore get pictures of? And I literally probably 20 minutes before the show started, had the first time to actually go and look through them because, you know, the Internet service is amazing at K&M where they put us up in the monk house all weekend. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, uh, at one point in time, I, I sent a picture of the pavilion with the words, look, it got bigger. And then the picture didn't come through. So that was a really awkward text conversation for a second there. But um, <laughs> it's, it's lovely. But I never realized how ridiculously wet and muddy some of the other stages were and how lucky I was to be in my nice, loud little house all weekend. It, it got bad in some places as far as, and you know, nobody could have prepared for that. It, it was just, you know, with that many people and some places didn't have overhead cover, which if you've never been to a precision rifle match, it's almost impossible to have overhead cover at the whole match. We're talking like a huge place with, you know, multiple lanes of fire and, you know, you just, it's just not something you can just cover everything or it wouldn't be the same sport, I don't think. But, man, there were places that got, you know, ankle deep in mud and the shooting mats kind of were consumed by the mud at some point. So, you know, you had mud all over the front of your jersey and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I love it, man. If I could shoot every match like that, I would. And I'm not kidding about that. Like, you know, I mean, because my the reason I'm there is different than a lot of people. Like, for me, I'm trying to get better personally so that, my skill set grows like I love uh, learning new things, testing gear, being in the worst environment. And to be honest, it feeds my soul to see people crying about the weather. Like it just, <laughs> it makes my day. I mean, I can, because I'm like, Oh yeah, you're hurting. Quit. Just quit. That's all you got to do. Just quit. And then there's one more. I, I don't have to fight, you know? So I love it. I love it. That's what I just, Every day I'm looking forward to it raining at a match. I love it. My very first match was rainy and I did not know what rain did to precision rifles because I had come from three gun and in the rain, we just stood out there and laughed in it and it didn't matter because the AR still ran when it got wet. Yep. Yeah, not so much. I'll never forget laying in that mud puddle up at Rock Castle trying to get my bolt to open and I'd have to like, I finally got to where I'd have to put my elbow on the buttstock and do like this to get enough leverage to pop the bolt handle up so I could run the bolt. Cause I was like, I don't even know what else to do. So do you water test your loads now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that people should know that it, it needs to be done. If you're shooting precision rifle and you're planning on going out and actually shooting a two day match and investing the time and money into it, um, I'm not going to put out how I do it right here because there might be some liability involved in it, but just look up water testing your rounds or water testing your loads. And that's something you need to do if you're going to be going out and doing precision rifle work in the rain. It's also really fun to do at a public range. Cause you know, generally if you show up with something that looks like that, or one of my center fires, like, you know, people are already going to be looking at you. 
and when you uh, walk up and then walk back down with a bucket of water and you take your mag and just go whoop. <laughs> nice. Pretty much. So yeah. you um, talked a little bit before about VPRC and y'all started that up and have run matches there. So have you thought about doing any classes combined with the match where like maybe um, you have class on Friday during train up like with a certain number of people and then you squad with them for the match um, for their first match to kind of, I know you can't coach them on the clock, but to help them along the way. Like I always thought that would be super cool to to do it or even if if it's your match if you could say you're shooting not for score you'll shoot the match and i will coach you on the clock but it won't be for score because then it wouldn't be fair you know i don't know i just always thought it would be really cool um people that have never done a match and never had that pressure of the clock you know and to be able to have somebody there to kind of hold their hand through the first one i would think would be helpful Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of good ideas and that's absolutely one of them that I would love to do. So a lot of people didn't know this, but BIR actually didn't let us do training there. So um, that was very frustrating and it kept us from being able to do things like what you're talking about. Now that we're working more with Pig River, um, that's absolutely something that is available now. And we're, we're going to be pursuing a lot more of that type of thing because that's where our passion is, is you know, helping people get better. So I think there's a lot of cool stuff. And one of the things that I do uh, with our, especially our private coaching is um, we will actually go and I, I will coach you through a match, you know? So uh, one of the things I was doing with Laurel is, you know, I went and just met her at the 22 match. I didn't even shoot. And I was just there to make sure that she was doing everything correctly and making sure she was using her pre-shot checklist and, correctly using her practice journal and her performance journal so that she could, um, you know, go back and review that for information later and then ensuring that she was taking away the correct takeaways. And she did great. She ended up winning that 22 match shooting like 85% of available. And then the next weekend we went to frontline and she shot over 85, uh, 84%, something like that and took fourth place and open. So it works. It really does work. And I'm not, taking credit for that she has put all the work in and the time and dedication but long story short the process works and it's been proven with many people and it's something that i'm looking forward to and there is a difference between your shot process and your pre-shot checklist by the way i meant to put that out there earlier your shot process is the process that you use every single shot and that's something we can get into when you come to a coaching course or i mean come to a, a shooting course but um you know, the pre-shot checklist and stuff like that's something everybody should be using. Absolutely. I might have just emailed you on the website to ask you to send me that. No, not a problem. I'll do that. I'll get that to you. I wondered what you were doing. <laughs> I, I also just realized I was unmuted. I'm the worst at muting. What Can I get this? So I found out today at work. Had... Whoa. Hey, did you guys know if you hit the space bar, it mutes you and then unmute no, I button on my computer that's a mute button so there's that. one on my microphone over there too but i always forget if flashing or solid is muted so um so what do you consider a uh valuable practice session dry fire or live fire running drills shooting stages 
Yeah. Good question. Um, so going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think you have to break up each individual uh, thing into a skill, right? So if you just go shoot a stage, you're going to be very good at shooting that stage. So if you practice the PRS barricade over and over and over, yeah, you're, you're going to be really good at shooting that PRS barricade. And you might glean some information and some skill sets off of that. But if you really want to get better, we're going to break it down even further. And we're going to figure out how to get into your natural point of aim at different heights. And then we're going to break up that into transitions. So we'll do first shot drills. So you'll go from standing to the barricade, take one shot, come back. Standing to the barricade, take one shot, come back. Then you record those times and you find your average so that you know what it is right now. And we can train that and try to increase your economy of motion so that you can get faster at that. Okay. So instead of trying to get better at the barricade, let's break the barricade down into individual skill sets. So how quick can we get that first shot off? Once we understand how quick we can get that first shot off, what we're going to do is we're going to start, pull the magazine down, close the bolt, magazine back in, dry fire, and we're going to pin that trigger to the rear. We're going to hit a random start on the timer and we're going to move from that position to the next position and then close the bolt, run our shot process and take a good, well-aimed, fundamentally sound shot. And we'll do that several times until we get an average of what that transition looks like. So from low to high, high to high, high to low. And when we do that, now we can go to any stage in a PRS match and say, well, that's high to high. I can do that in nine seconds. So when I'm looking at a stage, I can break that stage down and I can figure out exactly how long it's going to take me to shoot it so that I have confidence in my mental game that I'm going to be able to clean that stage. Or if I can't shoot every, every position because I've trained it enough that I know whether I can or not, I'm going to be able to go back and say, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to get through it in fundamentally sound positions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get nine shots off and the timer's going to go off on the fourth position and the third shot. And I know that before I ever step up there. And that comes from using a process-based practice regimen and i also think you should incorporate um you know some exercise into that as well and use exercises and stretching that will allow you to uh, perform to your best and that's also something that we try to incorporate when we're training people you know especially with private clients is going back and looking at okay how are you practicing what are you practicing and if you actually go to the rifleman's path facebook page and you scroll down last week sometime or maybe just two weeks ago anyway i posted the prone uh practice regimen so like working on getting from standing to prone or starting on the gun or like okay we're gonna have to drop the bipod off or we're gonna fold the bipod and how do we practice all those individual pieces and then what are some exercises that we might can throw in there now, I'm not a physical trainer, so you can get with somebody like that if you really want to get serious about that side of it. But the idea is that we're putting some physical training in there so that our heart rate goes up, we're inducing some stress level, and we're more accurately replicating match scenarios. So your practice should be harder than your match, in my opinion. It's a good way to do it. I've done that. Um, even in USPSA, um, Ben Stoger had great success with his books. And that's basically what he did. Um, USPSA is speed, right? I mean, it is accuracy, but it's a lot of speed. And so for the draw, he would have, you know, you go from hands relaxed to hand on the gun, hands relaxed to hand on the gun, hands, and then you go from hand on the gun to here, 
you know, before you, and, and it's getting the, the individual little pieces and then you put it together. He never had somebody just start drawing, you know, full on, you would, you would practice the little pieces and then put them together and it would be very fluid that way. I think, I think that's a great approach to do it. Absolutely. Break it down nugget by nugget. Piece by piece. Mm -hmm. Have the discipline to do it right. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you've been very successful at Mammoth Sniper Challenge. So I'm trying to get ready for it this year because um, I've lost my mind, I think. But do you have any good advice or tips for me or for anybody else maybe that's getting ready for Mammoth? It's such a different beast than just a PRS match. It's much more than just shooting. I think um, you talk about mental. I think it's going to be a lot of digging deep in the mental to survive. I might need somebody to smack me and say, you're not quitting partway through. But, um, you know, so what tip, like I know it's a short little show. You could probably talk for hours, but if you could pick <laughs> one thing that's like the tip that you, or advice that you want to tell everybody, what would you say? Well, as far as like actually just making it through, you've got, uh, preparation, nutrition, and hydration. Like that's going to be your big takeaways. So um, everybody wants to focus on what gear you're taking. I would be more concerned about, uh, you know, how much preparation are you doing and how we talked about before the show, some box steps. So just look that up. So you're stepping up onto a box and then stepping back down. It's very mind numbing and it's boring, but guess what? It's going to get results. Um, squats, uh, you know, CrossFit, that type of thing are going to be good for you. Um, and then nutrition and hydration. So everybody that goes there has a different opinion on those things. But my personal opinion is that you should try to get as many calories as you can possibly get in you because your brain's going to work better. Your body's going to work better if you're getting nutritional intake and you're burning so many calories because there's 30 plus miles per time. But there's also you know, a lot of miles that are not logged for time that you're just walking around between stages, you're, you know, moving through the stages, uh, you know, at the campsite, going to get water, you know, going to the bathroom, there's, there's just a lot of movement. So think about how tired you are at the end of a two day precision rifle match, and then add 30 miles into that. So it's a different beast. So if we don't hydrate, we don't have good nutrition, you're setting yourself up for failure. So I think what you have to do is try to plan out your meals. So you're going to look into things like the peak refuel meals. Um, there's some mountain house stuff, but you can also do some of your own, um, you know, meals. If you look into some of that stuff, I know I haven't done it, but some people have, um, but I'll make sure that I take for me personally, I eat, I force myself. I don't feel like it, but I force myself to eat a meal every meal time. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and sometimes, man, it's like you're really having to force it down because you're just so mentally and physically drained that you're just like, oh, eating is the last thing you want to do. But if you force yourself to do it and you're getting those nutrients into your body, then you actually start to feel a lot better. So I also will carry the I'm not sure what they're called, but they're like goo gels. And some of them have caffeine and some of them don't. And some of them have BCAAs and more amounts and different things. And you can look into that stuff. Uh, but I definitely use those during the hikes and then like honey stingers for snacks, you know, just anything I can do to keep pounding nutrients and then 
you cannot drink just water unless you're salting your food or you're getting good, um, you know, the uh, mixes in your in your water, because you if you drink so much water and you're not getting the right stuff with it, then you can actually, you know, hurt yourself, too. And I know you know more about that than I do, I'm sure. But um, it's just something to think about for people that are listening, like you need to be taking in nutrient and hydration like they they go together you can't just hydrate and drink three gallons of water today and think that it's going to be okay because it's not yeah water intoxication is actually a real thing i have seen patients that have it and they go out of their mind because what it does is you basically dilute out your sodium and, mm. and, and you dilute out your potassium too, but the worst, so you can have low potassium and have heart arrhythmias, but the sodium is what you dilute out so much. And when you have low sodium, you are like a madman. You, you cannot think straight they're, I mean, they're out of their head. It's like they're drunk, but their mm. sodium is just too low. So it definitely happens. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, just having the right gear, you know, so um, I know we had talked about this a little bit. So you want to try to have lightweight gear. So this is some new stuff. Get this in here to where you can see it. But this is the new uh, Hunt 26 chassis from MDT. It's 26 ounces. It's all carbon fiber. And it's beautiful carbon fiber. It's really well finished. But anyway, and then this is the LHT from Vortex. It's their new razor line. Uh, hunting lightweight tactical scope and this rifle in its current configuration weighs right at 10 pounds and it's a steel not a carbon barrel and it's a rim varmint contour so it's a and it's very well balanced if you look at this like the rifle will just sit right in front of the magwell and balance there so it's very easy to shoot um, so it's a Lone Peak Fusion Action, and this is their. This is not their titanium. So if you want to go crazy and get even uh, lighter, you can get their titanium action. But that's crazy. The, uh, that gun is how, how do you handle all that recoil without having a thirty-pound rifle, Andy? <laughs> yeah. So we can talk about that. You should come down to one of our classes. <laughs> I just laugh because these people have all these weights on their rifle and I'm like, oh my gosh, my rifle, I didn't, my rifle's not intentionally heavy at all. It's just like a normal rifle. But by the time you get the chassis and everything in it, I'm like, oh, my rifle's so heavy. But it just cracks me up that these big guys are shooting these 30 pound rifles because they want to have no recoil. And they're always I'm one of them. And then you shoot a 10 pounder. Yeah, well, you know, it's, Here's what I here's what I'll say. Like if you're going to a NASCAR race, bring a NASCAR, you know, like if you're going to Formula One, you should bring an open wheel car, you know, like um, if you're going to Mammoth, you should bring something like this. If you're going to a PRS match, you should bring the MDT ACC with all the weights and shoot it at 26 pounds. It's not going to hurt anything. I just can't move it from one position to the next. <laughs> That's my problem. Yeah. You can shoot like Christine Allenzam did. You know, she was 10 years old and, you know, th this tall. And the girl could aim the gun and pull a trigger, but I think the rifle weighed more than her. Yeah. Crazy. So you're shooting Mammoth this year? I am. Yep. Your partner. 
So Ben Flaner, the amazing Ben Flaner is going to be my partner this year. And he's, I, as you know, he's well experienced with the event. He placed fourth last year and uh, man, it's going to be awesome to be with him. I'm super excited about it. So y'all going for the win? Well, you know, good Lord willing. It's, uh, I, I, I am happy to tell anybody that it wasn't for our own doing that we won in 2019. I, I really do believe that it was a godsend. And um, there were a lot of weird situations that happened that led to it. And even up till the last, um, we, we were trailing Texas A&M and they had a trigger go down and they had a accidental discharge due to that trigger going down. So they moved out of the way for us. And, you know, I, I was just very, very fortunate. And my partner, Stephen Thompson, he's, you know, my best friend to this day. And I love him like a brother more so probably. And, um, you know, just to be able to be there with him and experience that with him was something that I'll never forget. And he won't shoot it again to this day because he had such a, you know, powerful experience with it, you know, and he just doesn't want to like change any of the memory from it. So he, he wants to keep it just like it was. So anyway, um, there's a lot of things that happen when you're walking around with a, with a ruck and sometimes it can be very spiritual, you know, and it's, it's really, really interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, Kurt Bowler asked, how many calories per day would you recommend? So um, I'm not really a calorie guy and I'm not a, a physical trainer. So I don't know what to answer you there, but I can tell you if you go to Peak Refuel uh, on their website, we used one of their meals for every meal that we ate. So, um, and this was last year, Bryce and I shot it together. Bryce Yerk was awesome. The dude is a freaking like uh, superstar you know, like Mr. America type of dude, like stronger than anybody I've ever been around in my life. Like if you looked at a GI Joe when you were a kid, that's him. Um, so anyway, he, uh, he put me onto those meals and, you know, so we had one of those with at every meal time and I just felt completely different. Like I was in 2019, I didn't feel mentally or physically as pre uh, prepared. And I felt like I was drained and even though I was in great physical condition, I just didn't feel like I was a hundred percent there. And then when Bryce and I shot it together, I was in really good shape for the event, but the nutrition aspect of it just went into another level. So I would say, um, plan on taking as much as you want to carry and trying to use that to your advantage. So again, I, I ate one meal at every meal time and it was the peak refuel brand and they are very calorically dense for sure. Starting to sound like Jen there, calorically dense. I like it. So I say you got those big words. <laughs> I'm going to keep this PG. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you see the sport of precision rifle going? Do you think it's going to kind of stay the same or involve into something different, split off into 19 different things? What do you think? Ah, man, tough question. Uh, so where is my heart at? My heart's in the mountains of Idaho or Montana or Colorado with this guy right here. Um, you know, or heaven forbid if something happens and we have to use rifles for another reason, like that's, that's what drives my day-to-day -day life. Um, but 
the sport itself, I think it, it's healthy that it, in the direction that it's going. I think the people that are leading the charge are, um, you know, people have different opinions of, of different people on personal levels. And, you know, I, I try to stay out of all that as much as I can. But I think people are doing a good job right now at keeping the sport going in a good direction, bringing new people into the sport, teaching new people how to shoot. And I think it's good. Um, I would like to see more moving targets. I would like to see a, an event that's fundamentally different than anything that's happened before. And I think that would be really cool and something where you would show up in an area and you would only have a 10 digit grid and a target description and something like that. And we'll get into more of that later, but I think there's, there's room for adventure type uh, competitions and um, yeah, I don't really want to get into too much of it because I'd, I'd really like to be the one to execute that. But anyway, to your point, yeah, like I think more moving targets are going to be coming, smaller targets. Uh, I would love to see more of the hunting stuff, like the NRL hunter type stuff, even if it was PRS or anybody. Like having a, a practical rifle like this, to Jen's point, like she can shoot this, a kid can shoot this. Um, this is a rifle you can actually carry anywhere in the world. Uh, as far as physically carry it, it, it's 10 pounds. So it's no heavier than a, you know, fully dressed out AR-10. So um, I would love to see a class for something like this. And I, I think there's a lot of guys out there that would really get into it. All right. So here's, here's my idea from what you said. So literally like the weekend, so my life kind of, the same weekend I registered for, or, somebody else registered me for gap grind i was racing an off-road rally it's like a thousand miles through the wilderness what if it was like rally race get to the stage shoot it some more rally racing you know because like prs isn't expensive enough we should, <laughs> should make you know you i mean you know, I know some people that have literally bought a vehicle to shoot PRS, Miss <clears throat> Seymour, because they got stuck in the mud, but like rally race, shoot, rally race, shoot, maybe even shoot like from the truck. Yeah, or you could do it like the Gubby. So, uh, you know, when you're in the military and you have to fly places and you get a government rental car, a lot of times we would get minivans and they work really nice because you can set a tripod up in the back. And when you open the either side door to shoot out of, it makes it really nice. There we go. And you even have a button to, to open the side doors on the new ones. Yes, sir. <laughs> that is crazy. It'd be interesting. I mean, they have skiing and shooting in the Olympics. Yeah. So I would really like an event where um, you would register for the event knowing where it was going to be and in like a 90 mile radius. Um, and then you would show up not to a central point where everybody's together, but you would have to decide based on the terrain where you think you should enter that 90 mile radius. So you would show up and check in on GPS and you would show your position. And then the there's a way that I've come up with that teams could engage each other. Uh, so you would have to 
determine if you wanted to go on the offensive or the defensive. And then you could also incorporate live fire into it. And I think it would be really cool, but I got to sort some more things out first. And you not shoot each other. Uh, so it, it would come down to the GPS positioning and, and careful target placement against terrain. So the engaging each other would be with a camera. So I want Greg Moore on my team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be my luck. I'd get in the wrong spot and get shot. <laughs> you have to be like, no, don't go there. <laughs> Not right. that hill. That is funny. That'd be cool. I want something that incorporates, uh, I want something that incorporates your ability to, to read terrain, navigate that terrain and evade other teams while doing so. And I think that would change the game as it wouldn't be a PRS specific type thing. It would just be an adventure that a lot of people are looking for. I think there's a lot of people out there that are looking for real adventure. And I think how fast Mammoth sold out shows that, it, you know, like there are a bunch of people that are looking for real adventure and like, let's give it to them. Or we're wow. all insane. I am not sure yet, which is yet to be determined. Well, when your toenails fall off, you'll figure it out. Oh, no, they won't fall off. Cause if they turn black, I'll drill them like I did when I did ballet. <laughs> you take a needle and you just drill it out and release the pressure and then they don't fall off. I don't know. So other than Mammoth, what other goals do you have this year? Um, both for like, what other matches are you shooting? As well as what goals do you have for Rifleman's Path? So for you and for the... Sure. So to finish this year out, so we're going to shoot the Southeast finale coming up. My wife and I are shooting that together. And the main reason I'm going to it, I am not currently... Um, competitive in that series I, I haven't I've only shot one match but I wanted to go shoot it to support her and so my wife Tammy Slade she also enjoys shooting and when we do it together and I just wanted to go support her and shoot with her and um, her cousin which is like a brother to her uh, has been out west with the Marine Corps and 29 Palms for a while now and he's coming back he's living here now so um, he's going to shoot the match with us too so the Southeast finale there at Pig is, is our next event. I think there's some spots open if you'd like to come join um, for anybody that's listening. And then we are, this particular setup that I'm using right now is going to be, this is chambered in, this specific one is chambered in 6.5 Sherman Short Mag. And we're going on an elk hunt the week before the finale. So we're going to ride horses about, several hours into the wilderness there in Colorado and we're going to get dropped off and left there for a week and then uh, hopefully we'll get to get the barrel warm on one of these and then once that's over we'll pack out and my friend's gonna take whatever meat we have and go back to Virginia and drop me off in New Mexico at the PRS finale uh, on the way home so then I'll shoot the PRS finale there and that's about as far as I've made it with my match planning for the year. I am registered for Mammoth in 2022, which is right around the corner, about three months from now in January, as you well know. 
<laughs> and uh, so I, I hope if you're shooting that, you'll come say, hey, while we're out there, I, I really enjoy talking to people and enjoy, you know, getting to hear people's story and where you're from. So if you ever see me at any match, I just I really enjoy hearing about like, you know, who you are and where you're from and, you know, what makes you tick. Because, man, I, it's I think people are too quick to, you know, use the buttons on Facebook instead of actually getting to know people and learning about them and figuring out who they are. So, you know, come see me and talk to me if you see me out there. And I look forward to meeting everybody that is, is in part of the sport because it's what I love and it's the passion that we have. As far as Rifleman's Path, um, you know, I, I intend to grow it um, to a point that I'm able to help as many people as I can and sustainability as far as, uh, you know, I want to be able to fill the schedule and I want to be able to work with as many people as I possibly can, but I don't want to get to a point to where that I am cheapening my brand or my, or my, my courses to, a, you know, just get more people. That's not what I'm looking for. I, I want uh, everything that I do to create value for the customer. And, um, you know, I'm going to put stuff out on Rifleman's Path on Facebook and, and on VPRC. On, there's a Facebook page for Virginia Precision Rifle Club. You can, you know, please join that group. It's one of the, I think, you know, maybe I'm biased, but uh, I think it's one of the better groups on Facebook for long range shooting. Um, you won't get, you know, people won't make fun of you if you ask a question. And if they do, then I'll make sure it stops and then we'll answer the question and make sure it, you get your information. So anyway, uh, even if you don't take a class from me, I want you to get value from me because, um, you know, I'm out here doing this every day and I'm out here, you know, doing precision rifle type stuff more than a lot of people are fortunate. You know, I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. And I'm very fortunate to have support from different brands in the, in the sport and um, different companies that allow me to be able to do things like that. And I'm very, very thankful to all of them. Well, I think we lost Greg. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, but that that's pretty much it, you know, is I just want to I want to teach as many people as I can and bring as many people into the sport and give them the right knowledge so that they start out right and they get the right gear and they understand that they don't have to have every new piece of gear that comes out. Like, let's figure out how to actually shoot that rifle so that you can you can shoot fundamentally sound positions and you understand how to check those positions and make sure that you understand what you can get away with and what you can't. And, um, you know, I just, I think it's going to be really good for people when they go through our courses, they're going to understand how to get better after the course. And that's a big takeaway is people are going to be able to practice the right way. They're going to have the fundamentals of marksmanship. They're going to have a, good firm understanding of how to run a process-based system and it's it's only going to help them get better i think that's huge because i've seen people that have come in and taken a class and immediately um started to improve and i've seen people come in that did not do that and just kind of muddled through um I, myself as one because i didn't know who to take classes from or where to do anything um, and so I kind of muddled through and then had habits to break on top of trying to learn the new stuff. I think it's so much easier for a beginner to get a solid foundation, natural point of aim and, you know, all of those 
fundamentals, trigger pull, um, not slapping the trigger. I'll never forget one of my first matches, Ryan Haley and next to me as I'm prone, stop slapping the trigger. And I was like, I'm not slapping. How do you know what that is? I'm not slapping the trigger. I'm not slapping it. You know, uh, so it's just, if you don't want to struggle, take a class. It's yeah. much faster and will get you a better end to your means. <laughs> exactly. hundred percent. So, well, Greg died. I was going to uh, head to shout outs next, but he said that it froze on him. I said, yeah, well, you're gone. Um, so we'll just wind it down ourselves and it'll be on Facebook. And uh, from there, he can pull the rest of the audio. Uh, I'm trying to tell him to come back in, go out and come back in. But anyway, we usually go to shout outs and I usually go to him first and he shouts out his green rifle and his suppressor and about 14 other things. So we'll just go to shout outs for you. You got anybody you want to shout out? Absolutely. So I'd like to thank everybody that helps me with everything that I'm able to do with the precision rifle stuff. Um, the big ones obviously are MDT um, and MDT makes so much more than just chassis. So if you have an opportunity to go to their website and look at the things they make, uh, you can look at their biopods, their magazines, their chassis. You know, they, they make so many different accessories that it's just unbelievable. Um, and then you know, they, they do so much for the shooting community. Like our last match, we had the um, trauma class and they provided the tourniquets and the uh, pizza for that trauma class. So that when uh, people went through that stop the bleed course, they got a tourniquet when they got done with that. So they, they do a lot for the sport and it's pretty amazing. And then uh, Vortex Optics, you know, they, they helped me out with some optics and stuff. And man, they just make some really great gear. Um, Hawk Hill makes the most accurate barrels I've ever used and they're a really awesome company. Um, Lone Peak, the Fusion Actions, that's what I'm running on my match rifles and on my hunting rifles. If you get a chance, check them out. Their actions are unbelievable. And if you haven't had an opportunity to run one, you really need to try it. So Keith Baker at Ice Rifles, he's my gunsmith. He's an amazing guy. He's probably one of the top competitors in the country every year, year after year. And he builds his rifles as well as a bunch of other people's. And he, he's doing that full time now. So if you want the most accurate rifle that you could possibly own, call Ice Rifles and talk to Keith and he's going to hook you up. Um, Armageddon Gear, Tom and Misty and everybody there, thank you so much for everything you do without you guys. I mean, there's just there's a ton of stuff they do for the community. Um, let's see. I don't want to forget anybody. Oh, man, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, and I really apologize if I am. Uh, I think that's it, though. I'm muted. I forgot. That's all right. Why am I muted? That's awesome. I love Keith. You have a really good setup. of. I like everybody that you were mentioning. I was like, oh, yeah, I like them. I like them, too. I like them, too. That's my thing with... Uh, our sport is, I love pretty much everybody in it. There's very few people that I don't just love in this sport. Uh, and I got to shoot an MDT chassis with Sean Murphy's gun. Uh, yes. The finale. 
the black gun in the finale that I'm shooting is uh, his MDT chassis. And I really enjoyed it. I liked it. I didn't, I had no idea it was a gun I was going to get used. So I didn't really care. And I got it and I was like, I really like this chassis. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yep. So, you know, the cool thing, what I'll say is um, there are so many good products out there. I'm, I'm not ever going to, you won't hear me say, well, oh, that's a, that's a piece of junk, you know, cause like you take the competitors, they make great products. And for me, the MDT fits me better. The people, the team, I enjoy the atmosphere. That's why, you know, they support me. I support them. It's a great mutual relationship and their engineers and their people that have, they have working for them are some of the best people I've ever worked with. Um, and, and their products are just outstanding. So it's easy to be a part of that team, you know? So that's, that's what I love about it. But, you know, all the other companies, like optics companies, Vortex makes great gear, but you're not going to hear me say, oh, well, Collis is junk. That's not how it is. I mean, that everybody in the top, on the top tier stuff is making good gear. Now there's other things out there. You will hear me say, yeah, don't do that. You know, like don't go get the $200 Walmart scope. It's, you're going to waste $200, you know, go get quality stuff. But other than that, like, it's the, it's what a time to be alive. There's some good stuff out there. I think that's, I really love that about our sport because um, whenever I was looking at actions and trying to decide what action I wanted to get, I posted on one of the Facebook groups that is precision rifle people. And I said, you know, which action and why? You know, it wasn't like, I didn't want everybody, it wasn't a popularity contest. Like I wanted to know, like I use this because the action's smooth, the smoothest I've had, or it's a two lug or a three lug. Like I really wanted to know the reasoning behind why people did different things. And Tate Streeter got on there and um, somebody had mentioned his competitor and he was like, yeah, that's a good action too. Like he was he was encouraging even his competitors instead of being like, no, you don't want that one. You should get an impact. You know, he, it was just really cool to see. I thought it was very stand up of them. And um, I feel like it's like that in all of the uh, different thing, you know, if you do all the scope companies and all the action companies and all the um, chassis companies, I feel like they are very good to each other. So. Yeah. It's a really good environment. Yeah. Greg, you're back. Just in time to do your shout outs. Oh, gosh. Um, I'd like to shout out to AT&T Internet for stopping functioning in the middle of this um, th this show. Um, everybody that came out and shot the gap right over the weekend, um, it was just an awesome time. Um, all the sponsors that helped put on that match. We would have another hour and a half list if I were to go and talk about everybody that helped make that happen, but that was awesome. Uh, GSL suppressors, cool thing over there. Look, I can move since we're on my, my new uh, iPhone here. Um, that thing's awesome. It makes stuff quiet and whatnot. Uh, PDC Custom, I saw a lot of these really awesome. I'm having fun with this. A lot of these really awesome rifle chassis this weekend at the Gap Grind. Um, shooters and Sharpshooters of Augusta, our local indoor and outdoor ranges. Your nose itch? You get now? Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, um, um, who else? Oh, Shooters World Powder. We got some of that stuff over there. Real good stuff. Makes the pews go pew. Um, Hunter's HD Gold. And um, yeah, that's about it. I did want to say we talked about the gap grind a lot, but 
for those that watch the show every week, our guest that we had on last week, right? Was it last week we had Greg on? Anyway, uh, he won the gap grind. He Greg did. Won. I'm going to have to get me some Bluetooth earbuds because this Greg is going to be like that Greg. And I figure, you know, I don't have the skill, but if I get like some music going on, maybe, maybe I stand a chance. Anyway, I just thought it was neat. He's such a humble, neat guy. And so I thought it was neat that he won that match. Um, anyway, and we had just had him on the show. Maybe the show was good luck. So maybe Andy, you'll win your next match because you've been on the show. So. Nice. Speaking of next matches, our next two day is Labor Day weekend, September um, 2022. So if you want to come shoot our uh, two day, which is the Rifleman's Revival PRS Pro Match, it'll be Labor Day weekend, September 2022 at Pig River. Man, I love Pig River. It's beautiful place. It is beautiful. Really beautiful. Yeah, it is a gorgeous place. I had a mouse run up my leg there, but otherwise it was a really beautiful place. <laughs> um, and Ryan Allison was my hero and got it off my leg. But anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, and I just want to shout out you, Andy, for coming on the show and spending what two hours of your Tuesday night with us. We really appreciate you coming on, and we appreciate everything that you do for the sport. Um, so maybe, maybe we're all glad that that company you worked for kind of forced you into this. Um, path so it, i think it's a good thing for the sport and a good thing for the community so maybe we'll be grateful for what they did <laughs> thank you so much i really appreciate that yep and with that we will see everybody next week i hope everybody has a good week and that'll be a wrap for episode 352